This is a podcast from Hope Church Gainsborough. For more information, visit www.hopechurchgainsborough.co.uk. I know you would love to do. Amen. Amen. Oh, that was half hard. Come on, Birmingham. Come on. Cadbury Factory. Well, that's yeah. 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 Hornbill. That's not Birmingham, is it? Well, you don't have to be technical about it. Um, you should know me by now. Yeah. So if uh, if you were to come to Birmingham, there is uh, uh, there's always construction of some sort in Birmingham, but certainly now. Uh, there's construction in preparation for HS2, assuming that it, it actually comes to, uh, to Birmingham. And uh, so they're building the station right in Birmingham City Center. And so here's a photograph of uh, this it. Come on. More? Yeah, so very impressive. Look at this guy. He's been shopping. <laughs> she had a baby. Like, it's looking amazing. So they're, they're building uh, the station. Uh, and it's, it's going to have shops, it's going to have an amazing hotel, it's going to have entertainment. It will be incredible. Um, and in fact, this is what it looks like uh, as of last week. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that, that, that's for real. That's what it looks like right now. Um, go back one. Um, so that is what it will be. Um, all right. And this is what it is uh, right now. Um, that's a little bit like what it is for you and I. Uh, we are not yet what we one day will be. And so as we think about who am I, um, we are a new creation. Praise the Lord for that. Um, but we're going to look out for the next few minutes that we are uh, not yet perfect. I'm not there yet. The, t- the train station is not finished. Um, and we're going to see in just a few minutes that actually... Um, there's a real importance to just kind of uh, just acknowledging to ourselves and to the Lord that I'm not yet perfect. I'm not yet who I one day will be. Because I think we want to see in just a minute, it's going to give us a better understanding of who we are, uh, who the Lord is, and who those uh, people around us are. So uh, I want to invite you to turn in your Bible to the book of Romans chapter 7. Romans chapter 7, and we're going to begin... In, uh, in verse 15, uh, Romans chapter 7, we're going to begin in verse 15. Uh, uh, Romans as a book, probably my favorite in the Bible. Um, but, but as you get into chapter 7, 8, and 9, just amazing. And I love chapter 7, as I'm sure many of you do, because it's just one of these times where you read the Bible and you think, wow, that, that, I think that's me. Like you just see yourself uh, there with Paul. And so Romans chapter 7, we're going to begin... In uh, verse 15, and uh, and let's see what the Apostle Paul uh, has to say. So he says this. He says, I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. You you ever been there? Absolutely. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. Now, as it is... It is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. For I know that good itself does not dwell in me, that is, in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. 
For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. You ever been there? Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. So I find this law, this principle at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? But thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So then I myself, in my mind, am a slave to God's law, but in my sinful nature, a slave to the law of sin. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we, uh, uh, we just thank you for your word. We thank you that it is alive and true. And Jesus, we, uh, we thank you that we are a new creation but Jesus, with the Apostle Paul, we, we just recognize there's this battle that takes place within us, um, that desire to want to do good and the seeming inability to do it. And so, Lord, as we spend a few moments on this together, we uh, just pray by your Holy Spirit again that you would just give us understanding, that you would open our minds, that we might understand your truth. Uh, we are desperate for you, Holy Spirit. We cannot understand your word without your help. And so would you do that, we ask. And and Holy Spirit, we ask that you would soften our hearts because we don't simply want to understand the word, but we want to be transformed by the word. So would you mold us and reshape us into your image? Uh, speak to us, work in us for your glory and for our good, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. I can remember uh, cartoons growing up and, and often with the cartoons, when you'll see a cartoon character attempted uh, to do something wrong and often over one shoulder appears what? maybe a little angel, and then the other shoulder appears a little devil, and, and they begin to have this conversation. And I don't know if you've ever felt that way before, um, but, but when you, you, you know what's right, and you have the desire to do what's right, but, but you just seemingly don't have the ability to carry it out. Uh, and, and like Paul said, I, I know what I don't want to do, and that's the very thing I often find myself doing, uh, whether it's a thought pattern, and so maybe I struggle with having a, a critical spirit in my mind, judging people, or... Uh, maybe it's with my mouth, maybe it's gossip or whatever it might be. I know that's what I don't want to do, but it just seems like I can't stop myself. And yet I know what I, I want to do. I want to, I want to get up early and read my Bible. I want to stay up late and, and, and praise the Lord. But, but it seems like the thing I want to do, I, I just don't have the ability to do it. And so Paul says there's this, this battle that rages within us. And, and it just reminds us that we're not there yet through justification we've uh, been born again and now through sanctification we're being made into the image of Jesus but it's not until one day in heaven where there's glorification where we're once again uh, in the state that God created us to be in originally and that is perfection so in the meantime we're here uh, in Buxton in uh, in Gainsborough in the beautiful 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 city of Birmingham England um, which has more canals than Venice Let's do that again. Which has more canals than Venice. It speaks to quantity, not quality. I will say that. Um, but, but in the meantime, we're down here. And, and we're kind of 
Christians under construction. And so part of, of knowing who I am is, is, is knowing my weaknesses so that through the Spirit I can be strong. And so we're going to spend just a few moments of looking at what does it mean to, to not yet be perfect. All right, number one, we see this. Since I'm not yet perfect, I need to acknowledge my sinfulness. And we're just going to look at some different scriptures, uh, and the scripture reference will be there for you. Um, and so, since I'm not yet perfect, I need to acknowledge my sinfulness. Um, and so we see this in, uh, in 1 John. And 1 John says this, If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Number one, we see this. Since I'm not yet perfect, I need to acknowledge my sinfulness. Now, in, in no way do we ever want to minimize sin or do we want to make little of sin. Um, but, but at the same time, there, there's this sense of, it's not a giving up. It's we never use our sinfulness as an excuse. Well, I'm just a sinner. I can't help it. Well, well no, oftentimes we can help it with the power of the Holy Spirit. We'll see that in just a minute. So, so we're not saying that. But what we are saying is an acknowledgement that we are broken people who live in a broken world who are being made right by a holy God. Amen. So we're broken people in a broken world being made right by a holy God. And so, um, uh, you know, and, and it's important that we get that. So it even impacts the way we view ourselves as the church. And so I used to tell our folks in America when I was a pastor, I would say, look, uh, we, when we gather together, we, we don't gather together to be a museum for saints. We gather together to be a hospital for sinners. Right. We, we're not a museum for saints. We are a hospital for sinners. Uh, Occasionally in America, I would you know, meet someone and I would invite them to our church. Like, hey, we meet on Sundays. We would love for you to come. And, and they would often say, I'm not interested in church. And I would say, well, why not? And they'd say, well, church is full of hypocrites. I'm like, you're absolutely right. We've got hypocrites, liars, and adulterers. I think you'd fit right in. <laughs> it didn't work very often, but uh, right? Absolutely. We own it. We, we are hypocrites and liars and adulterers, but... But you know what? By God's grace, we've been saved, not of ourselves, not good works. So we can't boast, but by grace through faith. And we are a bit like the train station. We're not the finished product yet, but praise God, we're not who we used to be. We're not who we used to be. And so we don't gather together because we have it all together. We gather together because we are the family of God and we help one another. We are broken people um, who, by God's grace, are on a journey together with him. And so um, we realize that, that we're not yet perfect. We acknowledge our sinfulness. Now, um, a couple of reasons that's important. And three, I think, particularly, since I'm not yet perfect uh, and I acknowledge my sinfulness, it, uh, it means this. Um, acknowledging my sinfulness should do a couple of things in my heart, right? So first of all, this. Um, acknowledging my sinfulness should lead me to put to death my pride. Should lead me to put to death my pride. In other words, I, I mean, there, I have no pride. What can I be proud in when I acknowledge the fact that, that I'm a sinner saved by grace? Um, and, and so it, it's important that we, we keep a perspective of who we are. And so it leads us to, to put to death our pride. Um, I will not say this for the church in England, but I will say this for the church in the United States. In my experience, 
And I say this with all love, but sometimes church people, Christian people, can be the most critical, judgmental people in the world. I mean, sometimes, and again, I'm, I'm, I'm going to speak from an American context, but, but Christian people can be the most judgmental people in the world. Um, and if, if we're not careful, we can quickly lose sight that except by God's grace, there go I. And I mean that. I genuinely mean that. You did not choose to be born white. You did not choose to be born in England. You did not choose to be born in a country where there's freedom of religion and the gospel can be preached. You made none of those choices. You, you are who you are and you are where you are because of the grace of a loving God. And except for God's grace, you could have been born in the Sudan. Except by God's grace, you could have been born in China. Except by God's grace, you could be addicted to heroin. And if we ever come to a place where somehow we think we are better than other people, then we have come to a place that is not good. It is not good. Uh, we were, uh, and I share this story, please hear my heart. I don't share this story in any way to <laughs> that I did something well. It's actually that I did something bad. Um, we were in London a couple of months ago. And uh, the four of us were there, and we were catching the train back to Birmingham. We we're walking right in front of London Euston Station, um, and there was uh, there was a lady uh, sitting on the pavement begging. And as we walked by, um, Christy and Kayla were kind of ahead of me and Max, and they walked on by. And as me and Max were walking by, I looked over at her, and she asked if we had any money, and I said no. And the first thing that went through my mind was, well, she'll probably just buy alcohol with it. She'll probably just buy drugs with it. And I've never met this woman in my life. And just like that, I sized her up, and that's the decision I made. And we took about five steps, and the Holy Spirit just struck my heart. God just said, you're a jerk. You're a jerk. And I stopped and just felt broken. And in that moment, I heard the Lord say, I made her, I love her, and she's beautiful. And I died for her. And I just stopped. And I said, Max, let's walk back. And we walked back. And I knelt down. And I said, I'm so sorry. I don't have any money. I genuinely don't. But I just wanted to come back and just speak to you and just say hello. And her eyes welled up with tears. And she said, would you shake my hand? I said, yes, and I shook her hand and she started to cry. She said, no one has touched me in weeks. She said, my name's Sheila. I said, Sheila, my name's Kenny, and I just wanted to come and say hello. And she said, is this your son? I said, it is, this is my son. She said, can I shake his hand? Said, of course you can. I said, this is Max, and we shook Sheila's hand. And I said, Sheila, I just wanted you to know you're not invisible. And I saw you, and I'm sorry, and I just want to come and let you know that God loves you. And she said, thank you. And we walked out. Because here's the thing. How can I judge her? For but by God's grace, I could be in her situation. Amen? And sometimes as Christians, we can lose sight of that. And so when I acknowledge my sinfulness, it just reminds me 
that, that I'm no better than anyone else. Um, I'm, and as Christians, we just get sometimes better at, at hiding our sinfulness or churchifying our sinfulness. Uh, uh, one thing I learned in the church I pastored, and I'm just talking about America, uh, there's a fine line between prayer request and gossip. <laughs> uh, sometimes in church, we just know how to do it differently. But we are no better. And it's important because then hopefully what it does in us is it creates a compassion towards other people. Compassion. But also acknowledging my sinfulness does something else. And that is it leads me to see God's forgiveness. Even then, I mean, before we got on the train, just in my own mind and heart, I just cried out to God and said, Lord, forgive me. Lord, I, I didn't know that judgmental, critical thing was in my heart. And God, I just, I just want to ask you to forgive me. Um, and so, so our sinfulness is good in that, in that it drives us to Jesus. See, our sin will either push us from the cross or draw us to the cross. Yeah? So our sinfulness will either bring us to Jesus or push us away, but that'll be on us. And so, now, do we sin that grace will abound all the more? Well, the Apostle Paul said, heaven forbid. We don't sin to get close to Jesus. It's nothing like that. But, but we know this, that when we sin, it's an opportunity to, to experience the forgiveness of, of God's grace. And we never want to make light of it, and we never want to abuse it. But praise the Lord, it's there when we need it, which for me is almost every day. We just need to come to the Lord. And aren't you glad that His mercies are new every morning? Great is thy faithfulness, He says in Lamentations. And His mercies are new every morning. Aren't you glad that every morning you wake up that God's bank account of grace is back to full? Isn't that good? And now we're back to number one uh, and number three. How often is my bank account of grace empty towards others? Are you with me? Is there just someone in your life you just find hard to be around? If the answer is no, then you're the person. <laughs> right? If you're like, no, everybody's lovely. Okay, mate, that's because you're the one. I'm just saying, right? Um, I just believe God allows people into our lives to make us more like Jesus. See, here's the reality. I'll never learn to forgive unless someone hurts me. I'll never learn to be patient unless I have to wait, right? And so... Um, it, my sinfulness then should lead me to be patient and forgiving towards others. In other words, um, have you ever noticed that in your mind that, that someone else's sin is always worse than yours? Does that make sense? Like you can always find someone more sinful than you and thank God that you're not as bad as them. Does that make sense? Like, well, I know I messed up, but I mean, you know, I'm no cab. <laughs> so, it's a different cab. <laughs> It's another cabin bus in at a church weekend away. You wouldn't know. Right? I'm just playing. Right? Sometimes that's what we do. But the reality is, the reality is that look, when I acknowledge my sinfulness, I put to death my pride. I'm no better than anyone else. Right? I, I, I want to seek God's forgiveness. But then that third thing is this. Man, I want to be forgiving towards others. But in fact, right after the Lord's Prayer, there's that nugget where he says... And if you don't forgive others, I will not forgive you. We don't quote that bit when we do the Lord's Prayer. But it's right there. It's the, it's the verse after, you know, the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. And if you don't forgive others, I won't forgive you. Right? That's what he says. And so acknowledging my sinfulness just says, look, how can I not forgive my brother when Jesus has forgiven me? Amen.
Okay, so I'm not yet perfect, which means I acknowledge my sinfulness. Secondly, we see this. Since I'm not yet perfect, I need to daily rely upon the Holy Spirit. Since I'm not yet perfect, I need to daily rely upon the Holy Spirit. And this is what Jesus says in John 14. John 14, uh, Jesus says this. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Uh, since I'm not yet perfect, uh, I need to acknowledge my sinfulness, but, but since I'm not yet perfect, it means I need to daily rely upon the Holy Spirit. And, and it's somewhat similar to what we saw this morning. Um, here's some reasons that we need to daily rely upon the Holy Spirit. And again, similar to what we saw earlier, um, Jesus says this, when I rely upon the Holy Spirit, He will enable me to follow Jesus. When I rely upon the Holy Spirit, He will enable me to follow Jesus. We'll, we'll unpack each of these in a minute. He will guide me to the truth and he will never leave me. Right? He'll enable me to follow Jesus. He will guide me to the truth and he will never leave me. And so, uh, look, Jesus says, right, and I will ask the Father and he will give you a helper, right, to be with you forever whom the world cannot receive. And he says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. So, it's a bit like what we saw today. Jesus says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Now, um, if you just stop there, that, that's pretty intimidating. Because I know I'll probably break the commandments more than I like to think. Right? And James says, the book of James says, if you break one commandment, you've broken them all. If you break one, you've broken the whole law, James says. And so, if Jesus says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments... Then, then the fear of my heart would be, well, yikes, Jesus could pretty easily think I don't love him because I can easily break the commandments, right? But Jesus goes on, doesn't he? So Jesus says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you a helper. It's exactly what we saw this morning. Remember Joseph. Joseph comes to his mom, and he says, Mom, I want to get you something for Mother's Day. Will you give me 10 pounds so I can buy you a Mother's Day present, right? And she gave him 15, okay? It's the same thing again. So here's Jesus saying, if you love me, the proof is not going to be in how often you go to church. The proof is not going to be in the music you're listening to. The proof is not going to be in any of that. The proof is going to be, do you do what I ask you to do? And then I think, well, Jesus, I don't have, I don't have the ability. Like, I want to love my neighbor, but I also want to punch my neighbor, right? <laughs> Oh, that sounded horrible when that just came out of my mouth, right? Or, or, or Jesus, I, you know, I don't want to be patient with my children. Or, or Jesus, I don't fill in the blank. And Jesus says, I know, so I'm going to send the Holy Spirit, and he's going to help you do it. Isn't that beautiful? Like, Jesus says, I'm sending a person to come. It would be like um, if, if Christy said, uh, my wife, if she said, would you please hoover the house? And I went, um, and she went, and I have hired someone to come and help you hoover the house. <laughs> How would I feel about that? 
Yeah, the answer is great, right? Well, that, that, that's amazing. Like, she's asked me to do something, and now she's sending someone to help me do it. Jesus says, I'm asking you to follow me, and I'm going to send the Holy Spirit, and he's going to help you follow me. What a great God. What a gracious God. He literally sends a person, the Holy Spirit, and he comes to help me follow Jesus. And he tells me, don't do that. Oh, Kenny, look the other way. Look the other way. And sometimes I need to look the other way, right? And he'll tell me, no way. Give the person that money. Be generous. Give that person some money. And I can do that. He tells me what to do. And he tells me what not to do. He comes and helps me hoover. He helps me follow Jesus. And if you know him and you've been born again, he lives inside of you. And he wants to help you. To help you follow Jesus. It's beautiful. And so, um, he'll help me to follow. But then secondly, he will guide me to the truth. He says, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper. Isn't that? I just want to stay there for a minute, because that is beautiful. He says, I'll ask the Father. Jesus goes to the Father and says, Father, do you, do you see Kenny down there? Hmm? He doesn't have a chance unless we help him. Would you send the Holy Spirit to help him? And he does. It's beautiful. So he says, uh, I will ask the Father. He will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth. And, and so uh, the Holy Spirit enables us to follow Jesus, but then he guides us to the truth. And so um, the, the Holy Spirit wrote this book, right? He's the author. Now, he used, he used men uh, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And uh, in, in our church, we, we teach, we believe the whole thing. Even like the maps in the back. We believe it from cover to cover, yeah? And I know you do as well. And so he wrote this book, right? And if you ever want to know the meaning of a book, the best person to ask is the author, right? If you want to know the meaning of a book, ask the person who wrote the book. And they could really help you. I, when I was in high school, there were many a days I wished that I could ask Shakespeare what in the world he was talking about. Because I had no clue, right? But he's dead, so he couldn't. Uh, but the Holy Spirit's not dead. He's alive. And so he lives inside of me. And so he can explain this book to me. Now, do we still need uh, teachers and uh, people to help us? Of course we do. But, but, but the help that they get is from the author. Right? And so um, uh, uh, one man, one woman, filled with the Holy Spirit with this book can change the world. I believe that. One man, one woman, filled with the Holy Spirit, with this book in their hand, can change Gainsborough, can change your cul-de-sac, can change your neighborhood. The power, the Bible says that the gospel is the power of God into salvation. The word power there, the Greek word is where we get the English word dynamite. There is dynamite power in here. And it has been revolutionizing the world uh, for 2,000 years and longer. Uh, I, I was reading this morning a testimony of a prostitute who, uh, who gave her life to Jesus. And she's now started a ministry. And, uh, and she goes out in Las Vegas in the United States every night and goes and shares the gospel. And they now have a group of about 10 prostitutes who have all come to saving faith in Jesus. And they're just going out every night. And with this book and the Holy Spirit, they're seeing women's lives change coming out of prostitution for the glory of God. Amen. This book does that. And sometimes, if I'm not careful, the longer it's on my shelf... The, the more I forget that it's dynamite. The more I forget how powerful this book is. 
By the way, it's also why I need to get it in my heart. I've hidden your word in my heart that I may not sin against you. That's why I need to get it in my mind. Thy word is a light into my path and a light into my feet. Right? I need to, need to get it in me. And so he guides us to the truth so we can understand it. But then he says this. He says, he will be with you forever. He never leaves us. Uh, when, when the Holy Spirit's in you, wherever you go, God is with you. Is that not amazing? Wherever you go, God is with you. Um, I'm, uh, uh, I've, I've been reading through uh, just, just the life of Moses recently. And I was reading the other night where uh, you know, Moses goes up and he's up on the mountaintop for 40 days. And when he comes down, it says he's glowing, but he didn't, re- he didn't realize he was glowing. And, and the people are kind of panicking because you know, their leader's glowing. And, uh, and, and I, I had this moment where I thought, oh, Moses is so lucky. Moses is so lucky. Like, he got to go up onto a mountaintop and, uh, and like, have this conversation with God. And then it struck me, no, wait a minute. When Moses came down, God stayed up. When Moses came down, God stayed up. And Moses would change places with me in a minute. For God is not with me on a mountaintop, but he is in my heart. And he goes everywhere I go. That is amazing. Is it not? I mean, he is with me everywhere I go. I mean, if, if I go to Whitby, there. You ever been to Whitby? I have. And Jesus went with me. It's pretty good. Right? If I go to Gainesboro, he goes with me. If I come to Buxton, he goes with me. That is amazing. The Old Testament saints would do anything. They would do anything. And so, um, being uh, a sinner and realizing I'm not yet perfect, uh, it does a couple of things. Rely upon the Holy Spirit. I know I'm sinful, but then thirdly, we see this. It's the last thing. Since I'm not yet perfect, I need to celebrate my heavenly hope. Since I'm not yet perfect, I need to celebrate my heavenly hope. I'm not perfect. The train station is not built yet. So I acknowledge my, my sinfulness. Uh, train station is not built. I'm perfect. So I realize my dependency on the Holy Spirit. But then finally, since I'm not yet perfect, I need to celebrate my heavenly hope. Look at this passage in, uh, in Revelation chapter 21. And this is, uh, this is the end of Scripture. And this is uh, John, uh, who's now had a vision of heaven. And this is what John writes for you and I. Probably a familiar passage. It says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. And look at this, guys. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things passed away. Will that not be amazing? That is what awaits you and I. That's what awaits you and I. Someone asked me recently where they said, where, where do you, uh, where, where would you like to retire one day? My first thought was, man, how old do they think I am? 
Uh, When they said, where do you plan on retiring one day? And I said, "Uh, heaven. And said, is that that near like Sullyol? Where's where's that at? It's nowhere near Sullyol. This is this is this is my retirement plan one day. And when we love Jesus, this is it. This is where we spend all eternity. When we've been there a million years, we haven't got started yet. And this is it. And and that is our heavenly hope. Our hope is the anticipation of what awaits us. Uh, Aren't you glad that this world is not our home? The Bible says we're just passing through. We are ambassadors for Christ. An ambassador is someone who lives in a country, but their citizenship is somewhere else. They live in a country, but their citizenship is somewhere else. The Bible says we are ambassadors for Christ. That means my citizenship is in heaven. I'm just living on earth. But while I'm here, everywhere I go is like a little bit of heaven. Uh, We've had to go to the American Embassy a couple of times to get our passport renewed. And you might know this, but um, whenever you go to an embassy in a foreign country, you're actually, uh, that is a sovereign piece of that country's territory. So when you go to London and you're in in the American Embassy, you are actually in America. It's a bit bizarre. So when you go in, we've been before and there's like baseball on the uh, TV. And there's like, I'm, I'm not joking, there's like a nacho machine. And uh, it's just a bunch of fat Americans watching baseball. It's great. And, uh, and, and when we've been to the British Embassy in Washington, D.C., and everybody's in there sipping tea and eating Marmite. Like, it's, it's like you're in England, you know? Um, so, so don't miss this. So being an ambassador for Christ means I'm a citizen of heaven. I live on earth. But when I'm with the church in the kingdom, it's like a little bit of heaven here on earth. Isn't that good? It's just a little bit. I mean, when you go to London, it's just a little piece of America there in city center London. But when you come to Hope Church in Gainesboro, it's a little portion of heaven because you are citizens of the kingdom of God. And that is beautiful. That is good. And so he says, realizing that I'm not yet perfect, I want to acknowledge my sinfulness. I, I want to daily rely on the Holy Spirit. But I want to remember that I'm a citizen of heaven and that I have a heavenly hope and that this world I'm just passing through. And so uh, just last bit here, that'll impact us, I think, in, uh, in three ways. Uh, and, and this is what we learned from this passage of Scripture. One day hasn't happened yet. Train station is not built. But one day I will never, ever again experience sin. I will never, ever again experience sin. I'll never experience sorrow. And I will never experience Is that amazing? I'll never again experience sin, sorrow, or death. And our lives are impacted by those three things daily. Is that true? How how many of you here today, has anyone come with a sore throat or a runny nose? Raise your hand because we want to stay away from you. (laughs) you. Yes, ma'am, saw that hand. God bless you, right? You know why you have a sore throat and a runny nose? Because you're a sinner. I mean, we're all sinners, but especially you because you have a cold, right? Because of sin, right? We read in the book of Genesis, because of sin, everything breaks. And so it's because of sin that we have runny noses and colds. It's because of sin that, that we age and sometimes you don't remember things like you used to. Um, right? Amen? Yeah. Uh, because of sin... Um, as you get older, Charlie and I were talking, it, does it seem like as you get older, the quicker time goes by? Um, 
uh, I, my dad used to say that uh, getting older is a bit like a roll of toilet loo. The closer you get to the end, the faster it goes. <laughs> Test it out when you get to your room tonight. Uh, yeah, it, just, it just goes by fast. And, and that's, that's how life is. Sin impacts everything about us. Do you know what? As, as beautiful as it is out there, everything you see out the window has been affected by sin. All of creation, the Bible says. There's no perfect tree. There's no perfect flower. And even if there was, we couldn't appreciate it because none of us have perfect eyesight. Everything around us is impacted by sin. Right? And so one day, he says, we'll be in a place where there is no sin. It says one day we'll be in a place where there is no sorrow. Life can be sorrowful. I mean, proper sad sometimes. All of us have had a broken heart for one reason or another. And if we live long enough, we'll probably have it again. Life can be hurtful and sorrowful. And then all of us will face death unless Jesus comes back before we pass. It says one day. It says one day every tear. Let me, let me read it for us again. Uh, and remember what he said. He said, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. Um, someone here was, is a doctor, is that right? They were coming last night. Did she make it safely? You made it. One day, two doctors. If you have a cold, you need to see these two right here, right? <laughs> oh, yeah, you're one of the ones that raised your hand. Good thing is, she, she just gets some medicine right off. Well, here's the thing. We love you guys, but in heaven, you will be unemployed. Amen? You will be unemployed. Anybody here an undertaker? Christy's dad was. He retired as an undertaker. Unemployed in heaven. Right? Unemployed. Anybody here work for the electric company, for the power company? Yeah, one, work for the electric company, all right. The Bible says in heaven that Jesus, there will be no sun, because he will be the light unemployed. Who else? <laughs> right, just done, right? Because heaven's going to be that amazing. It says no death, no sorrow, no sickness, no pain, and the glory of God will light all of heaven. Anybody here work for like a road crew? Do like repair, patching roads? Anybody? No? All right? No? All right? No. All right? All right? Bible says, uh, Bible says the roads will be paved with what? Gold. Gold. It's not because it's so valuable. It's because in heaven the only thing worth any weight is Jesus and gold is just asphalt. It's going to be amazing. And when you know Jesus, that's your reality. And... You'll be there soon enough. I was preaching recently on eternity in our church. I don't even know what I meant by that. <laughs> You'll be there soon enough. Uh, yeah, I'm going to pray and we'll just uh, leave it there. No. Well, you will be there soon enough. And I'll tell you why. Um, uh, I was preaching on eternity uh, um, a couple of months ago at our church. And was trying to just get our heads around eternity. And so um, I meant to bring it with me this weekend and I forgot. Uh, well, I guess I could ask. Does anybody have a tape measure? Okay, I wouldn't think so. And so, so I had a tape measure, and it was a, it was a 20-foot tape measure, all right? And so I took it, and one of our guys took it, and um, probably about from here to there, and he took the tape measure. So you just have to use your imagination. I'm holding the tape measure. He takes the end, 
Um, and in fact, Matt, won't you come and get the imaginary tape measure, if you would. We're going to really visualize this. So just take the end and pull it all the way across the room, but don't let go because it'll snap and hit me in the finger. <laughs> right. Don't do it. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. Do not let go of that thing. Got That's it. about it. Stop. Okay, just hold it. Don't let go. All right, so I'm locking the little thing in case he tries to let go. So it's locked. Now here's the thing. Pretend like this is your life and that's eternity. All right? That's it. All the way across. If you live to be a hundred, yeah, that's one millimeter. If you live to be one hundred, it's just one millimeter. And you still have all of that. Can you picture that? And how much of our life do we focus on the one millimeter? We never give thought to all that. Give Matt a hand. He did a great job. Thank you very much. But did you picture it? So when I say you'll be there soon enough, our life on this earth is a millimeter. And we still have all of that. And all of that, friends, is no tears, no death, no sorrow. It's heaven. Tell you one last story. We'll pray and then we're going to worship the Lord with a, a song or two. Uh, I was a pastor. We were at our church for 13 years in, in America. And uh, we had some amazing, amazing saints of God in our church. And uh, we had a lady named Miss Edna, Miss Edna Powell. And uh, Miss Edna was probably 75, maybe, Christy. And uh, Miss Edna. Um, had never kind of progressed out of about 1962. So the way she dressed, she had a beehive haircut that was about that big. And uh, she'd go to the beauty shop and had this big beehive haircut. And just a big personality, full of life. And Miss Edna was an evangelist. And I mean, everywhere she went, she carried gospel tracts. And when she was at the Walmart, wherever she was, she was handing out gospel tracts, telling people about Jesus. And she was just amazing. And one afternoon, um, I got a call at the church, and Miss Edna had not been feeling well, and I knew she had a doctor's appointment we'd been praying for. And I got a call at church, um, and uh, when I answered the phone, the person on the other end was, was sobbing. Not crying, but sobbing. And it took them a minute to gain their composure, and then the voice said, uh, Pastor Kenny? And I said, yes. And they said, this is Wanda, Edna's daughter. I said, all right, what's, what's going on, Wanda? She said, well, we just got back from hospital and we found out that, that mom has cancer and it's all in her body and it's terminal. There's nothing they can do. I said, okay, are, are you guys home? And they said, yeah, we're home. I said, well, I'm on the way. So I hung up the phone and I'm quite tenderhearted and I just began to cry and just spent a few minutes crying and praying and talking to Jesus and got in the car to head to Miss Edna's house and I'm just thinking, like, what am I going to say to her? Like, the doctors just told her she's dying, and she didn't know that. And, like, what, I'm, what am I going to say? And, like, Lord, give me the words. Um, they can't really teach you that in school. And so I get to Miss Edna's house, and there are a couple of cars there where her family have come to be with her. And I ring the doorbell, and, and Miss Edna answers the door, and she just looks like Miss Edna. She's just a big smile on her face. And, gives me a hug and she says come on in pastor and we go and we sit on the couch and she says would you like a piece of cake I, I baked a chocolate cake yesterday and I said no 
She said, are you sure? I said, go on then, get me a slice of cake. <laughs> so she went and got me a slice of cake, and we sat down. I took one bite of the cake, and she said, did you hear the news? I said, yes, and I started sobbing. I set my cake down. So I'm so sorry, Miss Seth. I'm so sorry. Never, ever forget it. This will be with me forever. She put her hand on my, my leg, and she patted it. She said, why are you sorry? I'm so sorry you, you've got cancer. And she said, well, you got to die to go to heaven. Mm -hmm. I started crying even harder. <laughs> and now she's consoling me and you know, rubbing my back. It's going to be okay. You've got to die to go to heaven. Fast forward about three months. It's the middle of the night, about two, three in the morning. And the phone rings. And when you're a pastor and your phone rings at two or three in the morning, you usually know. I answered the phone and Christy woke up and she leaned over and said, what is it? And, is it Miss Ed? And I said, it's Miss Ed. So I got dressed. It was the middle of the night. Got in my car and drove to the house. And it's dark, three in the morning. Cars everywhere. And I go in and hospice had been attending to her for several weeks. And she's in a hospital bed in her living room and all of her children and grandchildren were gathered around her bed. And I came in and Understandably, people are crying. I came in and her daughter said, I want you to know that mom hasn't responded in about six hours. So it should be any minute, but she can't talk. I'm not sure if she can hear us. She hasn't really moved uh, all day. I said, all right. So I came up beside the bed and I just began to stroke her hair. I whispered in her ear. I said, Miss Edna, preacher, just want to come by and say, I love you. And Jesus loves you. And he loves you. This is one of those stories where you might think, did that happen? Well, I was there. And it happened. Miss Edna, who had not responded all day to anything, sat up in the bed, lifted both her arms in that hand, and said, Jesus, I'm ready. Lay down. In that moment, she went to be with her Savior. In 30 years, I've only seen it happen once. She sat up, raised her hands to heaven, and said, Jesus, help me. And Jesus said in John 14, If I go to prepare a place for you, I will come back and welcome you to myself. For where I am, you shall be also. And I believe on that night, I believe the Lord Jesus came and took himself home. The psalmist says, Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of the Jesus and Edna are walking shoes. Amen? There's a song we sing in America. It's a bluegrass country gospel song. It says, I've got a home in glory land that outshines the sun. You ever heard it? I've got a home in glory land that outshines the sun. Right? Can I tell you something? If you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you have a home and glory that outshines the sun. We're not yet perfect, but praise God one day we will. Amen? Let me pray for us and we'll worship you. Lord Jesus, we love you. We thank you for your word, Jesus. Lord, we thank you that 
Even though we're not yet perfect, you are a perfect Savior and you love us with a perfect love. And we thank you that as we think of our sinfulness, we are reminded that uh, we are better than no one else. We are reminded to love and forgive. We are reminded to seek your forgiveness. Jesus, we thank you that although we are not yet perfect, you have filled us with your Holy Spirit that we might follow you daily. And Jesus, we thank you that this world is not our home, that we are just passing through, and that one day you will wipe away every tear from every eye, and we will be with you forever. For your glory and for our good, we thank you, Jesus. Amen. This has been a podcast by Hope Church Gainsborough. For more information, visit www.hopechurchgainsborough.co.uk.